For the week of December 8th, 2019, this is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars TV and Disney Plus streaming series, as well as the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. This week, we are going to discuss The Mandalorian Chapter 5, The Gunslinger, and Star Wars Resistance Season 2, Episode 8, Rendezvous Point. And to help me with that is John. John, how are you doing? Doing okay. Did we ever think we were going to be heading back to Tatooine anytime soon? I did not. So this is just so crazy. So should we get into this episode? Let's dispense with the pleasantries. Let's just jump right in. (laughs) So The Mandalorian Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. The Razor Crest is severely damaged as Amando was pursued by another bounty hunter, leaving Mando no choice but to seek repairs from a nearby planet, Tatooine. Mando realizes that he needs some extra money to pay for the repairs and pursues a bounty with a new bounty hunter, Toro, who will do anything to get into the guild. Mm-hmm. All right, so this episode starts off just really great. I mean, just he's he's uh, under fire from this other thing, and I really appreciate uh, this. Is kind of going back to the classic Star Warsy uh, humor where he says, oh, "I could take you in hot, or I could take you in cold," and then the whole "That's my line." So now here's the other thing. So as soon as that happens, and then he starts drifting towards this planet, I realize, oh, that's a desert planet. There's no way it's not Tatooine. I'm like, what? Mm. So. Yeah, but th- I think this was a huge shock. I'm glad that I avoided social media all day on Friday because I saw on there someone tweeted, you guys are really bad at, you know, spoiling things. And so then I was just like, oh, I'm off the grid for now, sure. for now on until I watch the episode. But yeah, Tatooine, man. Yeah, we had the, the, the two moons that we know are always kind of in the shot, the space shot mm-hmm. when we see Tatooine for the first time in a new hope. And, uh, I think in Jedi too, whenever they're establishing it, you kind of know what to expect when you see Tatooine from space. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was no, no ambiguity here. We knew exactly what it was. And then yeah, the, the, whatever the control tower chimes in, you know, this is the Moss Eisley landing pad. So, um, yeah, yeah. Right out of the gate, they they kind of give uh, us some satisfying fan service. It had me roused that space battle, Mando getting a little um, uh, sassy. <laughs> you know, you know that's my line. That's that's uh, very much a I don't know, like an action movie trope of before you dispatch your enemy, you say something clever to put them in their place. Um, yeah, having fun. This one this one came out swinging, which was really nice because last week's was a bit more of a character driven piece with mm-hmm. an ATST for good measure, but still. Uh, it wasn't the heights that we'd seen in some of the previous episodes. So for them to give us a little bit of space battle right out of the gate, I think was a good move and it had me grinning. So, so far, so good. Yeah, it was, it was really cool just to see that. And then also, uh, over the speaker, this is Maz Eisley landing and then you're just like, oh, okay, we're going there. Uh, yeah, season yeah one. it's not even going to be some new area of Tatooine. We're probably going back to the bar and there we are at the cantina a couple minutes later. And so then he 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 lands into a repair shop, and we get introduced to a character, uh, Pele, Pelai, yeah, Pele, what, yeah, Pele. whatever. That's it. So anyway, she's this Moss Eisley repair shop owner, and in Moss Eisley, we get uh, 
a recognition from this character that the Mando has some really uh, questionable parenting skills, which we have sure. talked about from right. from the second episode on here. But it's just nice that characters are recognizing it in the show uh, mm-hmm. because then it's it's not you know a plot hole. I feel like that you know some trolls in social media wanted to point out that, and it's just like no, they have that covered. That's that's no, the they've they've acknowledged it. You know, they've cast a light on it, so now it's okay. It's just part of the the Mando's character that he uh he is lacking in the the daddy department and one of the things that stuck out to me from the very beginning is like okay you're landing in moss eisley and you're just cool with leaving you know this baby (laughs) on your ship and the place that the very first line that we're introduced into this area in the galaxy is that you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy (laughs) and just like okay so you think that's the best place to leave leave a child. All right, Mando, you got you are really questionable here. Yeah, he's very casual uh about how he's handling baby Yodel a few times in this episode. And obviously one of his uh, missteps comes back to haunt him later, right? Mm-hmm. Because he reveals the baby to the the bounty hunter in training, which is ultimately his undoing here. Um so yeah, Mando, for all of his savvy and all of his shrewd bounty hunting skills. Uh, he makes uh, some really boneheaded moves when it comes to baby Yodel in this episode. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. Cause I feel like it's a little convenient that, um, he just forgot that, oh, you know what? Maybe I don't want people seeing baby Yodel. Like he just, yeah, yeah that's fine. Carrying him out in, into the alleyway here. Yeah, no, it's all, it's all cool. Um, yeah, I, I feel like he'd be a little bit more cautious than that. So right. that, that kind of stuck out as um, maybe betraying his character a little bit, but obviously we know why the bounty hunter in training needed to see baby Yodel. We'll mm-hmm. obviously dissect that a bit more later. So I, I guess you got to forgive it. It's one of those plot contrivances that, um, well, just, I guess sometimes you need when you don't have a better way to get from point A to point B. Uh, nonetheless, a lot of fun moments with baby Yodel here. Like when the, the mechanic discovers him and at, at first is wondering, you know, what kind of beast is going to emerge from the ship. And then, you know, it's a little frog baby. Um, a lot of fun there. Interesting casting, uh, that I don't know if you know who Amy Sedaris is, but yep. as a, uh, like sketch comedy guy myself, uh, she is, uh, I guess you'd call like improv royalty. Mm-hmm. She's a, a very renowned performer, uh, in our circles. So interesting to see her show up. Yeah. The, the problem that I'm, I'm having a little bit with this show at this point is, and it might, this might be a unique problem to me because I'm very familiar with a lot of the people they're casting right. is they're bringing in a lot of comedians. And for me, it's really hard to separate comedians that I've known for a long time. And mm-hmm. I understand their cadence and their delivery and their persona, seeing them in star Wars and them essentially being themselves and not really being a different type of character. Like they're not getting lost in the character. Right. It's really pulling me out of the moment because they're creating sort of a lightheartedness and a silliness that for me just isn't feeling tonally right for the show. And it might just be because I'm too close to those kind of performers. I just know them too well to be able to separate myself from them. I just kind of wish that they'd gotten some unrecognizable faces for some of these supporting roles. I think it might've helped the show to maybe not veer quite so far into, uh, I don't know, casting a sideshow for some of these roles. And I feel like we've had three episodes. We had, um, Horatio Sands in the premiere that was, I think a little too goofy for the, you know, the, whatever the fish guy in the beginning. And then we had the, the two bumbling, um, guys from the, the town under siege that came to seek Mando's support in the last episode. And now we have Amy Sedaris playing a a very, very lighthearted, comical, good natured tech. 
Um, I just, I feel like some of these characters maybe should have a bit more grit or a bit more world weariness, or there's just, I just don't think we should be leaning quite so far into the comedy relief. Yeah. And, um, that's really my only critique. Uh, cause otherwise, you know, we're getting some fabulous star Wars just for me personally, that's feeling a little jarring and it's, it's pulling me out of it a, a bit. So, uh, I know we've got Bill Burr coming up in the next episode. <laughs> I'm just hoping they use him to good effect or again, um, maybe just too recognizable. A comedian is going to sabotage what could be some really good television for me. Yeah. Uh, but here's hoping we'll find out next week. Yeah, I feel like that this is really, and I don't know if this is it, but one of my theories is that, okay, from the very beginning, Favreau, he wanted to acknowledge the holiday special throughout this series. And, sure. and we've, we've kind of been getting themes of that. And, you know, from the holiday special, they had uh, Harvey Corman on. Yep. And and so very recognizable comedian at the time. And so now I feel Be like Arthur too. Be Arthur. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I wonder if it's that. And, and of course, Favreau kind of comes from that camp. He's worked with a lot of these people in the past. And so, uh, and so I don't know if that's necessarily why he's just bringing in all of his friends that want to be a part of it. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I got a theory this is Filoni's second episode as director. And I believe the first episode that he wrote as Mm -hmm. well, I'm wondering if he's gotten a little too comfortable needing to bring a bit of lightheartedness to mm-hmm. his star Wars fair because he's coming out of animation and stuff that's geared towards a younger audience. And I just wonder if, if he's a little too comfortable in that realm of supporting characters should be goofy, you know, right. a little Jar Jar is okay. <laughs> like if, if that's kind of, um, his take and what he's, uh, trying to infuse into the show, then it makes sense why some of these characters are a little, more larger than life than I would expect from a supporting character. And I I think that just might be him trying to keep some playfulness and some levity and remembering that star Wars is supposed to be for a younger crowd. So it could just be him and his take on star Wars shining through here. Um, I just, I I think it could be um, a little bit more reined in and I, I like my characters to be a bit more grounded and have a bit more gravitas. And when you bring in a comedian, that's kind of what you're sacrificing. They have great timing and they're fun to watch on screen, but they don't always carry the dramatic moments as well. And I, I feel like some of this is a bit miscast because you don't get as, as much depth out of the characters as maybe I would have liked to see from some of these supporting characters. So it's a directorial choice. Um, and I mean, it's not ruining the show. It's just not quite what I would have done a little heavy handed for me. Yeah, uh, that's definitely for sure. And it stuck out to me. And I wonder uh, about maybe some of the, the more younger audience that may not have the, uh, the baggage that, right. that we have coming in and recognizing some of these faces, uh, how, how they're seeing it. And I also wonder if, if these characters are actually smaller than what they're perceiving to be, but because these people come in and mm. we recognize them right away, I feel like that there's a part of it where we, have been making them a little more important and a little bigger yeah. because we're just like, Oh yeah, this is so-and-so in here. They're only in it for two minutes, but you, you, you feel like that, sh- that they're going to come back and, you know, and, and revisit this character. And, you know, who knows? Uh, it, it's <laughs> yeah. definitely interesting it's, to see him. It's a, it's a, it's a small gripe. And I have a feeling that most audiences, this would not be a liability at all. I just, I think, um, us as the, the cranky older, uh, viewer. And like you said, maybe being a little too close to yeah. some of the characters, it, it may stick out to us, but that, yeah, it, it just might not be a problem for the casual viewer. I don't know. I haven't really, uh, bounced this off anyone else to see if anyone else is feeling the same way. I just, I figured I had to bring it up because we've had, I think three episodes now where I feel they were just a little bit undercut by how humorous some of the side characters were eh, is what it is. 
Yeah. Uh, and so immediately the Mando, you know, they, they have a couple of exchanges, a couple of quips back and forth, and mm-hmm. he marches on to the cantina. And this is definitely the same Moss Eisley cantina, yes. correct? No, there's no there's no getting around it. The bar is the same. The, mm-hmm. the booths are the same. I mean, the, the doorway, right? We have the same panning mm-hmm. establishing shot. If there had been a do back beside that pile of junk, you would have thought you were watching the exact shot out of a new hope. Yeah. So yeah, no, this is the cantina. There's no, uh, there, there's no band playing this time around, but, uh, definitely, definitely the same location. And I thought that it was very interesting to see it this way and makes me want to explore it more. And I don't think we're necessarily going to get that, but, uh, we realized that of course the, uh, it, there's a scum and villainy there because of, the huts, the influence of the huts on on uh, Tatooine have have caused Moss Eisley, or at least contributed hugely to uh, making it this scum and villainy uh, mm-hmm. camp. And so now that they're gone, it was really interesting to see the cantina empty uh, and to see that right. it's that it's really a, an abandoned place. It's kind of turned into this abandoned town. There's nothing yeah, there now. I was, I, I was picking up on what you're talking about, right? Like the, the cantina is full of droids, which was a big no, no 30 years mm-hmm. ago or not even 30 years, 10 years ago. Right. Like in new hope would have been, yeah, about 10 years before this, roughly somewhere in there, eight, 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 nine, mm-hmm. 10 years. Um, at that point, droids were persona non grata. So obviously, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the temperament of, of the denizens of Moss Eisley has changed over the last little while. We know that the empire, who was occupying Tatooine, they're, they're gone. All that's left is some helmets on stakes. So we know that the political climate has changed. We know the job of the hut was strangled by Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. We don't know if another hut came in to regain control of the territory or if things, you know, if the, the crime climate on the, the planet changed after that, we might know that in Canon, but that's not something I've come across personally. So we see a different version of Moss Eisley here, but what exactly got it from point A to point B. I'm not entirely sure, mm-hmm. but you're right. It seems like more of a ghost town this time right. around and it doesn't seem quite as hard edged. Like <laughs> you've got uh, a wannabe Han Solo hanging out there, mm-hmm. but other than that, you just got some, uh, you know, happy go lucky droids playing chess. <laughs> like there's not a, yeah. not a, a whole lot else to uh, feel too intimidated about by this version of Moss Eisley. Yeah. And, and getting into this uh, Han Solo wannabe, uh, one of the things that we find out from Toro is, that, of course, he is attempting to get into the guild and right. he is going after a a high stakes bounty uh, and the individual is known as Fennec Shand. And one of the things that stuck out to me again was a side comment that maybe gives some background as to what happened after Jabba, because the comment was made that she killed the huts. And oh. so I'm thinking, well, Leia killed Jabba the Hut, right? Uh, and so did the what? Did she just kind of take off the the remaining? Is she taking credit for some of the stuff? And I thought we were going to get more to her story, but turns out she was just a a little plot device for for the rest of this chapter. But okay. yeah, uh, so I I heard that in that that statement that she killed the Huts, and so I wonder if it was one of those things to where someone else moved in, or she just she just gutted the rest of them. I, I picked up on them mentioning that, uh, you know, she was a, a mercenary assassin, mm-hmm. but I thought it was for the huts. Oh, okay. So I got the sense that she worked for the underworld, basically doing hit job. She was a hitman, And mm-hmm. so, you know, Mando's smart enough to know you don't go, you don't walk up to someone who's a trained right. assassin and expect to get the upper hand. Uh, that's, that's how I read that scene. But 
so much can be lost in the dialogue when it's just moving by quickly. Um, yeah. yeah, so I couldn't say one way or another. And so we have we have Finnick, and they go after her. Uh, and of course, other bounty hunters are going after her. This is just a great mm-hmm. planet to be on for Mando <laughs> at the time. You have all these guild members on one planet going after yeah. another high stakes. Yeah, it's like setting up camp on uh, what is it, like the the feeding trail or the the water mm-hmm. trail in a you know in a, an alliance territory or something. Uh, yeah, if this is where uh, he needs to hunker down, um, yeah, he's he, he's uh, definitely going to have more than a few run-ins. Yeah. And it's not like he really has a choice. Your ship is damaged. You got to do what you got to do. But I thought that it was extremely funny. And I probably thought way too much about this. But when when they're when they first encounter her and they're taking uh, they're taking coverage, it's just like, yeah, we're never going to get across there. And by the way, she has the high ground. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of little dialogue callbacks. And that's that's a Star Wars thing to do. Right. It's all supposed to rhyme. It's all supposed to be poetry. Um, but that wasn't lost on me either. Like, ha ha ha. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you never you never want to come at someone when they've got the high ground. Yeah. It never ends well. Well, and then we have Finnick, who's very uh she's got some charisma to her, and I'm thinking, I'm buying into this too, that she's gonna manipulate Toro, because that's immediately what she starts doing. And I think that okay, so they're gonna they're gonna team up and she's gonna kill him. Like he's gonna think right. they're teaming up and she's gonna He's gonna, gonna, gonna be him. naive and he's gonna fall for her tricks. Mm-hmm. He's gonna undo her binders and she's immediately gonna double cross him. That's where I thought it was going too. So yeah, interesting. But it went the opposite route. He actually get he he kills her and you know, it's just like, well, you should never told me that because if you're saying he's more valuable than you, you're worth nothing at this point. So thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, he has his little breaking bad moment, right? Like up yeah. to that point, he was a true wannabe. This is his moment of saying, nope, I'm in it to win it and I'm going to be shrewd and I'm going to do the math and I'm going to make the call and I'm not going to hesitate. It's it's very similar to the end of Solo, right? Like mm-hmm. where Han Solo has to do the math and decide, okay, am I going to be the good guy or am I going to, you know, uh, in cold blood do what needs to be done for self-preservation? Yeah. Uh, super Western-y like mm-hmm. that, that made a lot of sense in the context of what they were going for with this gunslinger episode. Someone's going to get shot. Yeah. And, uh, they, they made it count, right? They put a lot of meaning into that moment and I really enjoyed how they, they staged that. Yeah. And Toro gets a little too selfish. I mean, he, he goes after, he goes after Yodel, gets Yodel successfully does that. I mean, the, the next move, but of course he doesn't know the whole backstory. He doesn't know why Mando turned on the guild and all that stuff. But if he just would have left with Yodel, he would have had a, fancy little surprise for him at when he gets to the client but unfortunately he wants it all he got too greedy he thinks that the more valuable thing is the mando himself and that he needs to turn over the mando with this package because of course when you're looking at this package and you don't know the backstory it doesn't look that valuable to you it's a little baby like what would they want to do with it um and we know that the galaxy isn't too up to date on on the the lore of of the force and the the galaxy is so vast that of course they're not going to necessarily just hear about uh the force and lightsabers all the time and yeah so why would he think anything of little yodel here he just killed a very valuable bounty for the sake of pursuing mando in the assumption that the credibility of bringing down Mando is what's going to get him in good with the guild and his Beskar is going to be more than enough reward. Mm -hmm. So he's not even thinking that he needs to double check what that little baby's worth to him. It's just another disposable bounty that he could care less about Mm -hmm. in the pursuit of just the Mando and the credibility that would come from that. 
it all tracks, right? That's very well thought out and well presented the exposition on how they get there, you know, get, get you to understand the thinking of uh wannabe solo totally works this. I'm all fine with all of that. I, I think it was very well unfolded. Yeah. So we have, we have, uh, Toro trying to do his best. And of course he's, he's thinking smart because he knows that there's a connection between Mando and this little baby. So of course Mando's going to come after it. And so he does everything right there. Yeah, He's laying a trap. Yeah. He, he does not think about the Mandalorian tech as much as he should. And that's his downfall here. Yeah. See, this is, this is dumb. He should have the self-awareness to realize, first off, I've watched Mando get shot four times by a professional assassin mm-hmm. and nothing came of it. So why I think I can do a standoff with him while holding a baby and, you know, I'm going to be able to outgun him. Uh, a little bit of hubris there that was his undoing, but that's, again, that's Star Warsy, right? Mm-hmm. When you start thinking you're, you're all that in a bag of chips, <laughs> eventually, uh, everything's going to go south for you. Um, but yeah, this was a dumb play. Uh, he needed to get the element of surprise or something on Mando. Yeah. He, he needed to just lob a, a grenade at him or something. Cause he, a, a standoff was not going to go his way. And of course no. it doesn't. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe he thought that the reward would be more handsome if he takes him in hot instead of cold, <laughs> but you know, it's his downfall in the end. Yeah. Um, now there's a lot of cute yodel, uh, moments in this episode once again, but, I kind of want to get into this mysterious figure here. So at the end, the episode ends, puts a nice little bow on it. We go back to uh, Phoenix body and approaching it is some mysterious figure that we just see from the waist down. Right. Uh, big bad of the season. I'm guessing this is Juan Carlos Esposito. I think so. I think what they just telegraphed is, Hey, we've just had two fun little standalone adventure episodes, but make no mistake we're getting into the serious stuff, you know, where we pick up next week. Um, what this tells us is that there is another bounty. Well, there's, there's another person in pursuit of Mando Mm -hmm. that is only moments behind him, right? He's on the right planet. He's following his steps. Like he's figured out where he's been within the last 24 hours. So there's someone hot on Mando's tail that is worth saving, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for the big crescendo finale of the season, which is what we're building towards now. So I, I think this is, yeah, very much just so you know, things are going to get real next episode. So uh, stay tuned. I, I think that's what it's saying. And we know that John Carlo Esposito makes one heck of a villain. Um, I, I'm in lockstep. I think that's where we're going with this. Yeah. And, and of course we have uh, all this information from the, and I'd like how the writing has been because how I've been viewing it, I've kind of been viewing it from multi layers, but from chapters one to, to chapter five, we've been getting the Mandalorian's credibility as the gunslinger. And so of course right. this is a fitting episode to call it the gunslinger. Um, I'm sure there are people debate to be like, well, really the gunslinger is Toro, but nah, it's, you know, we have, we have Mando gaining that credibility. And so we've seen him at his height. We've seen him in stressful situations and being able to get out of those things. And then of course, like a classic, like these classic stories that we've been exposed to in the past, when he reaches his peak, his equal rises up with it. I mean, this is kind of a theme. And so, yeah, I I think that those that have been in, those of us that have been enjoying the warm heartedness of, of yodel smiles and laughs and little, uh, (laughs) coups and whatnot. I think that we're going to be faced with more stress and edge of our seats rather than saying, ah, every other scene. Yeah, they're definitely leveling up the villains because we've proved in the last five episodes that 
regular level bounty hunters are no match for Mando. Mm-hmm. And now we've seen that even this assassin on this planet, uh, he could still outmaneuver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So where do you go from there? You, you really need some sort of like, <laughs> uh, galaxy class baddie. And I, I think that's what John Carlo Esposito is going to be. Uh, yeah. can't wait to, I want the reveal cause they've, they've been really good at keeping this character under wraps and, uh, I want to, want to see what it's all about. And you don't hire Mr. Esposito to come no. in to be some one-off <laughs> villain, one one big bad, one heavy for one episode. I mean, I and and of course you don't market him if that's what he's going right. to be. And we've seen him look very, uh, look very big time in in the trailers and in yes. the just what we've seen from him. And so, but we know li- very little about him. <laughs> like everything has just been a theory. Uh, and of course, I think the theory that we're going is what we talked about last week as if, you know, because we know that there's something at stake with Yodel here. We know that, that at some level of the empire is interested or what remains of the empire is interested right. in this child. And of course they're wanting some, some Yoda juice out of him. They're wanting to extract necessary material. And so the value is even bigger than what the Mandalorian is thinking. And so of course, who are you going to send when you want something this big? You could, you could send the inquisitors, but of course they're off doing their own thing and they probably right. are all gone by this point because the empire has gone. And so who are they taking orders from? Cause Vader's right. out of the picture. Mm-hmm. So the, the next thing is to take what's left to take your, your, I, I think that he's going to be a very, um, uh, I, I don't think he's going to have any mercy. Let's just put it that way. He's going to be a merciless, uh, villain here. Yeah. We're entering the end game and you have to face the big baddie during the end game. We've got, we can estimate somewhere between 90 minutes to two hours left across the next three episodes. That is the perfect opportunity to build one really satisfying crescendo arc. You know, this is our return of the King section of the story. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I I think things are going to get real. Uh, I, I have a feeling next week we're going to be having a very lively conversation about all the stuff that was revealed now that we've had two episodes that are effectively calm before the storm. Um, yeah. So, so ready to see where they're going with this. Yeah. I'm super excited about this. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to the stress that I'm going to be experiencing with, uh, with the stuff surrounding baby yodel here. Uh, yeah, (laughs) baby yodel is indestructible. Yeah. When baby yodel needs to levitate a beast, uh, for self-preservation, baby Yodel can do it when baby Yodel needs to magically teleport out of the villain's arms when he's about to land face down on the ground and reappear, uh, behind a, a stack of, uh, mechanic supplies, baby Yodel can somehow magically do that. So, um, yeah, uh, if baby Yodel falls in the wrong hands, I would be worried. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I think they've shown that, uh, baby Yodel isn't going to get like any bumps or bruises right. along the way until like you know, the, the moment of reckoning when, uh, yeah, when this all plays out. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else to say, except uh, I, I'm ready for the next episode. They, they've got me hooked. They're reeling me in just next Friday. Can't come soon enough. I'll be watching it at 2 AM. Yeah. And, and, and so for me, I'm thinking this whole time, like, okay, at some point, Yodel's going to have to be taken off the hands of the Mandalorian right. because we're going to follow the Mandalorian around the galaxy for who knows how long, but I would assume it's going to be an extended period of time. And I don't think Yodel is necessarily going to be a part of that picture. Uh, so at some point he's going to have to settle down and get raised by someone. And I think that the most heart wrenching thing would be, and this isn't going to happen, but if it did, I would, I would hurt so bad 
as if Mando tracked down Luke and was like, oh, yeah, you can get trained by this guy and go in and chill in his <laughs> academy because we know how that ends. And so that would just that would be just as bad to me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath that that's where they're going <laughs> with the storyline. But, hey, uh, stranger things have happened in the Star Wars universe. I'll, I'll never poo-poo one of your theories because yeah. from what we're seeing in all of the little snippet trailers, there have been like 25 little snippet trailers mm-hmm. for uh, Rise of Skywalker now. Mm-hmm. They're going to do some like gonzo bananas, crazy un-Star Wars-like stuff in that episode. It looks like they're running the gamut of storylines and set pieces and just amping it up to 11. Um, so yeah, there's nothing off the table as far as I'm concerned. You know, I've poo-pooed some of your theories in the past, but now uh, at this point, I think they're reinventing what star Wars is and what star Wars can be. And uh, who knows, you know, (laughs) if, if the last scene of this is like the last scene of revenge of the Sith, where (laughs) he's dropping off baby Yodel into, you know, carrying arms and it is a cloaked figure on Octu or what? Well, I guess Luke wasn't on Octu at that point, but you know what I mean? Like if, if we get the sense that it's Luke uh, at the Genesis of his Academy, Hey, you know what? Great. (laughs) Yeah. But that that would hurt me. I would look at it and be like, oh, well, we know how this story ends. So, well, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> some younglings did escape because some some of yeah. um, the Padawans tried to hunt down Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren right. afterwards, right? So, uh, yeah, no, it. I don't know. This is <laughs> we're we're into really like uh, ambiguous, shaky, sketchy territory here. So, uh, I don't know. What's what's your final word on the episode? Like. We haven't really established a good rating system for our show. Do we just want to do like a thumbs up, thumbs down or a number scale or how do we want to sum up our feelings on these? So I, I think I want to point out that, of course, you know, we've talked about this before. Are, these episodes are going to be different links. They're not all going to come yes. out at 40 minutes and that's because they are chapters. And so viewing it from that, I give uh, I'm, I'm giving this a thumbs up. I don't like the number scale because okay. I feel like we can get lost with some of these uh, episodes that were really spoiled on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's a thumbs up. Yeah. And I think that's fair because it's obvious that this is meant to be taken as a piece, right? Like when the season's over, you can watch it end to end in an afternoon and have like a really rousing adventure that any good story is going to have highs and lows. You need to have the calm moments to punctuate the, the, you know, amazing moments. So when we have an episode that's relatively low stakes, it doesn't feel satisfying in the moment, but we know that as part of the piece, it's just as valuable to the whole. So I just have to look at these purely in terms of was the quality there, right? I can accept a calmer episode. I don't need everything to be like the Gonzo showdown with the Mandalorian swooping in at the last moment and defeating the bounty hunters. I don't need episode uh, three or chapter three of the Mandalorian every week. Uh, Obviously they can't keep topping themselves that way. So if I'm looking at this, my big takeaway is production design wise, I thought we were back in Tunisia. If they yeah. could have shot in Tunisia, I really, there's no way for me to know how much of that was CG, how much of that was backlot and how much of that might've been an actual genuine, like real location, revisiting star Wars history. Uh, so the authenticness that they achieved in this episode, flawless, beautiful. A lot of the Western, uh, themes that they brought into this, you know, the idea of the gunslinger, the idea of mounting up, and your posse going out after a bandit, you know, like all of that stuff. Great. They, again, like every episode we've had so far, they've found a really, really strong tried and true story to underpin it with. And all of that feels really good. So high marks across the board for maintaining the quality of the show. 
Um, my only contention really is in some of the casting and that's been from the beginning. It it does feel like, um, maybe they felt like they needed more lightheartedness to keep this series fun than they did. I'm having a lot of fun, Mm -hmm. uh, without the comic relief. So that's really my only quibble, but that's not nearly enough to make me not feel like this was well worth tuning in for. So big thumbs up. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get into resistance season two, episode eight rendezvous point. Mm-hmm, back on track. So the aces engage in a fight with the first order after Captain Doza sent out a location beacon so that a resistance pilot could find their location. After the attempt fails, the aces become frustrated with Captain Doza's leadership, which causes Toro to become frustrated. As Kaz offers his assistance in contacting the resistance, he discovers that the pilot they're attempting to contact is Tora's mother. Mm-hmm. All right. So we get back to to some Tam here, we get back to some questionable decisions as well. So I get it. All right. Captain Doza, you want to make your daughter happy. You want to unite the family on her birthday, jeopardize the whole station security in the process. Sure. Why not? Like I get it back when no one knew what, where your Alliance truly, truly uh, was, was set that it made sense to just disappear from now, but sending out a location beacon (laughs) to the galaxy. So that one pilot may or may not find you so that you can have a happy birthday party. <laughs> oh, man, I'd be frustrated, too, with Captain Doza. But for once, this episode did not hang on Kaz doing right. something boneheaded that jeopardized the station, which was nice. Yeah. So now Captain Doza, he can't complain about Kaz trying to do the right thing yep. because this is the did same the exact, exact decision. That. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. But we did get to see the aces in action a bit, and I mm-hmm. I was really excited that this opened up with uh, with them out in space and fighting each other and causing distractions and all this. Um, and then we got to see Tam. We get some right. more uh, some more Tam, which is what we've been missing, in my opinion, yep. for the last five episodes here. And she's struggling a bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, Vanessa Doza, which is the resistance pilot and in my opinion a good resistance spy when she needs to be mm-hmm. recognizes tam and causes to, or at least stirs this in, this internal conflict with her yep yeah if i'm going to be really nitpicky tam was not supposed to have her helmet off <laughs> you know yeah. in the first order they're always getting in trouble for not wearing their helmets at all times so they needed to have her helmet off because she right. needed to be recognizable plot contrivance yeah so be it. We, we've got a lot of those. I'm, I'm just going to have to look the other way on it. But as far as the emotional stakes of this episode, thumbs up, mm-hmm. rock on. Like, this is what I've been asking for. I want to see where Tam's at. Is she still trying to sell herself on the idea that the first order is virtuous and that she's made the right decision? Like, does she have to try and deaden that little bit of humanity inside of her to uh, try and justify the decision that she made? Is someone going to be able to cast some doubt on that and rekindle some, some feelings of loyalty for the friends that she's betraying? I, I want to see more of that conflict. I mean, that's th- those, that's the drama, right? When I, when a character's at conflict and they have to decide what type of person are they going to be? Are they going to choose light or dark? You know, that's, right. that's where star Wars is at its best. And here we are laying those seeds. Someone is challenging Tam to be better than she's choosing to be right now. And I lap that up. That to me is good star Wars. So high marks for that aspect of this episode. 
Yeah, and uh, we see that she, that she's definitely struggling, and I think that this is going to be the classic redemption arc. I mean, we spent all season one with her as a as right. a as a good guy, or at least a you know morally good guy, and now uh, she's in the she's in the first order, and she is she's struggling. And then this one, I I really liked that Vanessa Doza was a character that exposed to Tam that okay, even though we're on opposite sides here, I want to keep you safe, I want to get you back home. And then I'm also going to protect you. Like when she says, hey, when you wake up, avoid the landing bay because right. that's I'm about to blow it all up. Uh, and I think that hopefully it's the next episode. Hopefully we don't get another four episode break of from <laughs> Tam. But I think in the next episode, Tam's going to face some harsh questioning from the First Order. Right. Yeah, there, there's a running theme here where she always seems to be within arm's reach when the resistance somehow makes a miraculous escape and or, you know, just something doesn't add up. And um, the intelligence officer, the lady that's been grooming her, I can't think of her name, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but, you know, whatever, whatever her name is, she's too clever to not realize that something isn't quite 100 percent with tam she she's got to be able to see that conflict and she's not going to leave you know that kind of a loose end just dangling there waiting to cause more chaos uh so yeah things are things are going to get serious for tam i i think she's out of options as far as being able to keep up appearances uh yeah i I think they're going to be on to her and she's going to really have to make a tough decision to prove her loyalty to the first Mm -hmm. order and I don't think she's going to be able to do it. And I, I think that's probably where the storyline is going to be going over the next few episodes. Yeah. And I think that it's going to, I think the first order is going to uh, discover that Tam did in fact know who that was and that she lied in, in, you know, in, in ranks where she basically said, yeah, she didn't reveal anything about her identity when in fact she did. Uh, and so that, that of course, once again, shows Tam's current in, internal conflict with uh yeah i know who this is and she right. did tell me what's going on and i'm not ready to tell you even though it would have been an easy thing like if you're really dedicated to first order just tell them it's not going to expose much other than captain dozo was lying to you for you know eight years right. but other than that there's not there's not much really really there that she needs to protect i mean she's already escaped so it's not like you're gaining any intel from her if if you captured her but yeah um interesting episode yeah somehow she's gonna she's gonna indicate to the first order that they need to be watching her more closely and that's got to come to a head and uh yeah i hope they stick with that because this is the storyline that i'm really invested in don't need any more fuel runs um i'd be interested to see what's going on with uh the relic hunter that they brought on board colossus like there's there might be something there that's worth revisiting but otherwise yeah let's just let's just figure out this whole tam situation that's all i want to know yeah i I would really like that the relic hunter they brought in uh, has some weight in the story. Now, of course, with I, I don't expect anything to be exposed in the movies, but that's just that's always fun just to see kind of those nuggets that are thrown out there. Uh, maybe mention a relic. We know that the Rise of Skywalker. If you haven't watched the trailers, then maybe you shouldn't listen for ten seconds. <laughs> but we know that the Rise of Skywalker. There is a relic involved, yes. some sort of relic. Uh, and so it would just be neat if she just mentioned that sort of thing yep. or when Kylo Ren makes an appearance in the show through Holocron that that it's that he, too, uh, mentioned something about finding a relic. But I, I don't know. I'm doubling down on the theory that I laid out last time, which is the Colossus is going to end up recovering the relic that Kylo Ren's going to get his hands on in 
Rise of Skywalker, or they're going to be pursuing it and it's mm. going to be revealed in resistance. And then the first order beats them to it or somehow uh, snatches it away from them, you know, at the last moment. And that's what opens the door yeah. to uh, what happens in the Rise of Skywalker. I think, I think we're going to get that. I, I think yeah. they're building towards a tie-in. Uh, yeah, I just want to go on record because if I'm right, then I want all the internet points. If I'm wrong, I just want everyone to forget that I ever said it. Yeah. But that's uh, that's where I think it's going. I think they introduced that Relic Hunter for a reason. So mm-hmm. if they've got something really clever in mind for how they're going to use that character, then yeah, I'll get on board with that. Otherwise, yeah, just keep on Tam. That mm-hmm. makes for a much more satisfying episode. And this was good. As corny as the the notion that this really all just revolved around uh, a birthday gift for Tora, um, the the stuff in the first order was still really good. And it, it's really nice when Star Wars does the whole, hey, we've been pulled in by the tractor beam and now we need to figure out how to get out of the belly of the beast. Right. This is straight out of a new hope. You know, can we use our wits and our cunning to somehow, you know, uh, the, the odds are stacked against us. Can we somehow turn the tables and somehow get out of this? They use the droid to good effect. There's some good subterfuge. There's, there's a lot of fun stuff in, in that portion of the episode. So this was good. This was a return to form. And this is the level of, of storytelling that I want from resistance. Yeah. And I really hope that, uh, the, the Torah gets her birthday wish <laughs> and that Vanessa reunites with her because that would mean that Vanessa Doza would be able to train Kaz on some of the good spy ways because she's a good spy. Um, and, Kaz is is struggling. He's a sure. he's a struggling learner here. Yeah, no, they they definitely need to, to up their intelligence game on Colossus. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and she needs to like rip into her husband. Like, listen, I get it. You want our daughter to have a happy birthday, but seriously, like everyone's looking for you. The fact that he's got the aces out in the midst of a dogfight with Tie Fighters, mm-hmm. with a Star Destroyer descending on them, and he's holding the line, like he's willing to let the Colossus's defenses get down to five percent, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hoping to rendezvous. I know that we do crazy things for love, but really, <laughs> uh, it, it was hard to swallow that um, you know a pragmatic leader would would allow such a, a silly situation to develop but hey you know yeah. you gotta kick off your adventure somehow so again plot contrivances but uh yeah <laughs> made right. for a fun adventure nonetheless well if this is a plot contrivance that, that gets us back to the main storyline then i'll i'll look back at it and be like well thank you because i was i was sick of indiana jones adventures and yes. star wars yep yep absolutely so yeah two thumbs up this week i, I think yep. we we had a uh, a good outing across both uh, of our current Star Wars TV properties. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm feeling pretty good about my Star Wars TV right now. I, yeah. I can't wait to see where we continue to get in the run up to Rise of Skywalker. Like if we have a, a couple really stunning finales here and then we get the cherry on top in a new saga film that delivers, it's going to be a good year for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we'll see. We got a few weeks left, but uh, I'm very hopeful that Lucasfilm is going to stick the landing, and 2019 is going to go out on a bang. Yeah, I mean, two weeks away until we get the conclusion of the Skywalker saga, and whatever's going to happen in Resistance, it's going to come fast because I, I'm with you. I think that we're we're going to get a tie-in. Um, Here's hoping, and oh, can't wait. I want to see wait. the aces in the battle. I think that would be great. You know, like yeah. they're doing the roll call, like all the squadrons are checking in. You know, getting in formation for the battle. If uh, whatever Colossus squadron or you know Aces squadron checks in, and you just hear them over the radio or whatever, yeah. you just you got a you know a wide shot with them in it. Absolutely, I love that. I eat that stuff up. I'll I will take that fan service and Rise of the Skywalker if they're willing to give it to me. Yeah. 
Well, uh, it's a it's a thumbs up for me. I'm excited for <laughs> for next week for both of these properties because it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So, John, uh, other than that, where can the people find you, man? If you aren't already aware, I uh, produced the Saturday Night Live After Party podcast. This week, they got J-Lo coming in, so we're going to be covering that. Our new episode will likely drop Monday or Tuesday. And uh, leading into the mid-season finale here, I'm going to be heading to New York to cover a seminal episode. Eddie Murphy's coming back for their Christmas episode, so I'm going to be uh, on the ground at Rockefeller Center uh, covering all that craziness. Um, if anyone is into SNL and wants to get the, uh, the nitty-gritty on um, how these next few episodes play out, by all means, check us out, snlpodcast.com. And you can keep up with this show throughout the week on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and email us at hello at Star Wars TV Talk.com. You can find the rest of our shows online at Star Wars TV Talk.com and by searching Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a nice little five star review. We are part of the TV Talk Podcast Network and you can find more of our TV Talk podcasts at TV Talk.fm. Thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you always. That's my line. Ha, 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 ha.